It's Friday, December 2nd, 2016, and you're listening to episode 425 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 21 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan, and this is the last episode that you'll be getting with just me here solo. I know this for a fact because we've actually just cut a full-length episode with the regular hosting rotation and all that stuff. The reason you're getting this episode first is because the fully staffed episodes, because of the complexity of the audio and the length of the content, and the fact that they're all a bunch of mumble-mouthing jackasses, which makes them harder to edit, slows down the process of release. So you'll be getting that next week. You have me for one more week, but then everything will be back to normal. So I have two announcements, and then I'm going to get into a gaming topic. The first one is Fear the Boot is doing a Secret Santa. I say Fear the Boot, but it's really it's the community. It's not the podcast itself, though I will be participating in it, and I think I saw one or two of the other hosts are. But there's a Secret Santa that's being organized through the forum where you will be paired with another forum user. And if you don't have a forum account, of course, you can create one. And if you don't know a huge amount about the person, well, one of the things that's included is they're going to be required to answer some basic questions, including things like what their T-shirt size is. So you can at least make some fairly educated guesses on what to get them. And also there's a $10 limit on the cost of the gift, so... You don't have to worry about being under pressure to spend a huge amount of money this holiday season, at least not on this. So I'll put a link to the forum thread in the show notes. You can go there for all the details. The only thing that Noob13, who's the one running it this year, has asked is that people please get their information in by the end of the day on December 9th, which is a week from this Friday. The second announcement is that A while back, I did an interview, was a two-part interview, with Jim McClure, who is the host of Talking Tabletop, which is one of the podcasts over on the OneShot Podcast Network, which uh, is probably best known for the OneShot and the campaign podcasts, the actual plays they do. But Jim has a podcast over there as well, which I really enjoyed being on. But what he tries to do is to talk to people that are involved in role-playing games or role-playing game media, in my case, and talk to them about what things are like, you know, kind of behind the scenes, behind the product. Talk to the people as opposed to talking to the subject matter, I guess. And so we talked about all kinds of stuff, including how Fear the Boot started, what my life was like prior to the show, how the show's impacted it, what an end of the show might look like, Uh, We talked some about just life struggles and abuse and all kinds of stuff. So if you want something of a more intimate look at what goes into my life and I guess what sort of shaped me to be the person that I am today, then please check the show notes for a link to the first half, which is already out, and then be watching the social media stuff because I'll be back to post a second link to the second half as soon as that is dropped. And you can follow us, of course, on Twitter, just Fear the Boot. Or on Facebook, we have a Fear the Boot group there as well. You can find links to that at the top of our webpage, or I may link them in the show notes as well. All right, so let's get down to a role-playing topic. As I mentioned in the last episode, 
I have just moved. Well, once again, same city, but just moved across town. Well, same metro area, and it's not the same city. I actually did change counties and cities, but I just moved across the metro area. So I'm still in the greater St. Louis area. And during that move, one of the things that I found myself doing is something that I always do when I have to go through all of my stuff, which is I start taking these walks down memory lane and getting a little bit pensive. I don't know. I I just start kind of looking at the perspective of my life, of where I've been and where I'm at and where I think I'm headed or where I want to be headed. And one of the things that I got to flipping through during one of these wasted moments when I probably should have been working on something else, was I started looking through the updated rules in the Battletech system for handling campaign play. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. So in the Battletech system, the way that we play it, you have the Mech Warrior rules for creating the character, which is now called a time of war. And then you have the tabletop rules for the war game. And these are designed in most editions to be blended together as seamlessly as you can do so with two games like that. And the way that we always run it within my gaming group is we make the characters, we put together the unit, and whether the unit's mercenaries or part of a regular house army or whatever, they have a set of finite resources that they have to manage from one battle to the next, and they might supplement from contract income or a stipend from whoever it is they're working for, or Battlefield Salvage, or whatever. But it creates a sort of continuity to the machines and to the resources that go into a Battletech game. If this was a D&D game, we could talk about this in terms of paying your cost of living, or if you have a castle or retainers, paying their upkeep or paying for their training. Uh, you could look at this as any number of things in any number of games. For example, in Shadowrun, you had a lifestyle that you had to pay for. So you got an apartment and a vehicle and some other stuff. And But the quality of this and the quality of security that was protecting you while you slept at night was based on the amount of money that you were prepared to spend maintaining that. All right, so Battletech is no different in that regard than many other games. But I started looking through the current rules because the last set of rules that I was really familiar with was the Mech Warrior Mercenary, I think it was called 3055, but it was the second edition of the Mercenary Rules, and it had rules in it for figuring out what your starting money was, buying your first round of mechs or whatever you were going to have, figuring out what salaries you owed the individuals, and the maintenance that things would cost, and it had little worksheets for working out contracts, and It was a nice system, right? It was a little bit detailed at points, but overall, it was a fairly nice system. And then during the time that I wasn't playing the game, FanPro came along, and they made another system to replace it. I actually have that book. I haven't read it. I actually haven't even thumbed through it, but I do have that book. And that was replaced most recently by something that Catalyst, the current stewards of the Battletech game, created, uh, which is called the War Chess System. And then it also includes rules for things like when you first pick up a campaign, you know, you get some amount of income and then each objective you secure that adds more to your war chest because either you're fulfilling objectives of a mercenary contract or if it's your house, that means you just opened up a supply line where they can get more to you or however you choose to interpret that. And so at first I was looking at a PDF they had for this 
And if you're not a Battletech fan, bear with me because I am going somewhere more general with this. But it's just Battletech that got me thinking about this, which is no shock to anyone. But I looked at the PDF that they have for War Chest System, and I noticed that it was a little slim, right? It was a little bit too rules light for my taste. And it, it abstracted a bit too much and didn't really define a whole lot. And so I started looking around and noticed and said, okay, well, these rules are expanded on in this section of this book and that section of that book and, and whatever, and it referred to similar page numbers. And it just so happens that I have at least most of the books it was referring to. So I pulled these off the shelf and started reading through the rules. I was a little annoyed that they were kind of scattered all over the place, which I, I think makes it a little bit difficult to use these rules. But I, I still was at least able to get an idea of what they were going for and a feel for how it plays out. And I noticed something as I was reading this. And actually, as I was looking through my bookshelf of game books, you know, because we just, of course, moved them into the new house. And some of them are still in boxes, but most of them have been put on the shelves. And I started looking at the games I own, the games I want to run, the games I'm not really interested in running anymore. And I noticed that my taste in gaming is changing as I'm getting older. And maybe this is just because the brain changes, just neurophysiology. Maybe it's because of social pressures and limits on my time, or maybe more realistic expectations of what I can actually get out of a group of overcommitted adults. I don't know. But what I found is that my taste in terms of the types of stories and types of characters I'm interested in really hasn't changed. I mean, it's matured a bit, but it's really not changed. The types of games in terms of plot line and character that I was interested in 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it's still pretty much where my head's at today. But where things have changed for me is while I am far from sitting in Chad's camp of wanting a fully descriptive, fully narrative dice are only there to make you feel better sort of game, I don't know that I have the stomach for the amount of crunch that I once did. Because as I was sitting there looking at these war chest rules and looking at the chapters of the various books that these rules are scattered across, many of which were not directly relevant to the war chest, but it was still interesting stuff to read, I found myself kind of looking at the titles or looking at the chapter headings and being like, you know, that sounds like a neat thing. I'd really like to know, how do I involve spaceships in my game or mechs getting dropped from orbit or support from third parties or, you know, all these other kinds of things they have rules for. But then as I actually started looking at the rules, I noticed that my mind started wandering and I really started going more to the short descriptive sections and kind of brushing over a lot of the math. And I found that what was interesting me most was the places where the game went away from lots and lots of detail and long, ongoing, very specific sections. And instead, I was being gravitated to the sections that were a lot more abstracted. They still had structure to them. There was still some crunch there. There were still rules and definition, but it wasn't quite as specifically defined, or it didn't carry the amount of detail that I think I once would have wanted in a game. 
For example, I was reading through the Battletech book. I believe it was uh, Strategic Operations, I think. And right after the section that expanded on some of the salvage rules for the war chest, which that part did interest me, I found myself drawn to this section on mech corks. And I found that kind of interesting because I know it popped up in a side game, Battletech Dark Ages, which, yes, I realize it was canon, but I treat it as a side game. But that's something that actually my group had been doing years before it was ever canonized into the rules. Because if you read through the technical readouts, when it talks about the mechs, it describes them having these setting level truths. You know, I might say this mech has a really tight cockpit that's hard to get in and out of. Or this mech has a gun that's uniquely well-aimed or something like that. And what I would do is when we would play Battletech is I would give people the option of opting into this system of mech perks and flaws is what I was calling them. And they now call them quirks where I would basically say, okay, well, your mech has maybe a bonus to hit with this particular gun, but... It says in here that there's also a a jamming problem with one of the ammunition feeds. So if you roll below a certain number when you're trying to hit with that gun, it's going to jam until a tech can spend 30 minutes on jamming it between battles. And so they would get these mech pluses and minuses that added character to the mech. And I noticed that now they have taken that system, which was descriptive originally, and then in Dark Ages got codified, at least to some degree, and they have added it into the, I think, Strategic Operations book, where you can opt to simply say, well, my mech over time has taken on these attributes, and it's a simple plus-minus system of, you know, each point of perk has to be paid off by a point of flaw. And so if you've got a three-point perk, then you can take a two-point and one-point flaw, or you balance it out, right? For anyone who's played Savage Worlds or anything like this, you know, this is not an unfamiliar sort of system. But I suddenly found myself very interested in that. And yet all these rules that I had originally gone there looking for, and a lot of the rules that even I wasn't necessarily looking for, but I still was fascinated by, I was interested in them. I knew from the past where these particular topics had come up in my games and could see definitely where in the future they would come up again. I just noticed that I don't psychologically have the interest in or the tolerance for reading this stack of very, very dense books, which is what it would take to really get up to speed. Because the basic rules of Battletech, in my opinion, I think are fairly sensible and streamlined. There's a episode that I did, another solo episode, on getting started in Battletech, and I believe that you can get into the ground game very easily. But it's the sort of game that if you want to really, really, really deep dive into it, then be forewarned, these waters are indeed quite deep. And there's a lot there that you can take in if you want to. And I found myself regretting a bit that Catalyst didn't cut the difference a little bit, that they didn't offer some kind of mid-tier rules. You had the really simple stripped-down PDF that had the war chest system, and then you had much more detailed rules scattered across a handful of books that were wrapped inside of other rules that some of them were dependent upon that, once again, just, I don't know, just being where I'm at in life, I just, 
I couldn't focus long enough to even read them. I found myself looking at the art and thinking about other things and flipping back and forth across the chapters, and just reading a sentence here and a sentence there. And here's what I wonder. Here, here's what I found myself wondering. Because I know that this unquestionably impacts the way that I game. And, you know, as I look at some of these projects I still hope to get off my ass and do, this is certainly going to impact the way that I write games. Because, you know, where my head's at is going to figure into what I consume, what I produce. It goes across the whole cycle of things. And so what I wonder is, where are you guys at in this, right? How has age, or how has time, whatever you want to look at, changed not the games that you have to play? What I mean by that is I realize you may go from one group to another, and the new group you're in just isn't interested in a title that you really love. Or they insist on playing high crunch, low crunch, whatever. But that's not what you're wanting, right? That's just the reality of what you have to deal with. Or maybe it's gotten to the point where your players are only available once a month or something like that, and that's changed things. But this is not your ideal, okay, right? I, I'm talking about the ideal here. This is where your head's at. This is what, if all other things were equal, you would want to do. Because, see, the reality is it's not just that I don't think the groups I'm in have the stomach for the crunch, because I think some of them do. But I'm not sure that I have the mind space anymore to actually chase this, to sit there and read through multiple books that are each multiple hundreds of pages long and really dig out all of that detail. And so what I'm curious is what have you noticed about your games that's changed as the years have gone by? Not just because of the fact that the realities of your life have forced you to change them, but because your changing tastes have made you want to change them. This was something that I noticed even in the last episode I did where I was talking about Transformers. In the way that I did it originally, the game, it was not super crunchy, but there was a lot of research crunch that went into figuring out how the system ought to work. We did a lot of study on the Transformers that were out there to come up with the numbers. And I noticed that the way that I balanced things was there was a lot of distinctiveness. There was a lot of specificity between the Transformer modes and the individual weapons and things like that. And as I was sitting there looking at the rules, I was actually on the fly mentally redesigning them to be a little bit more flat. I mean, it wasn't going to become some purely descriptive system. It wasn't going to turn into Fate or Amber or something like that. But I certainly did notice that my thought line was much more about the nuance, the character, the simplicity, the types of things that comes across better in language than it does in math, and the types of things that come across better in what happens around the table than what happens in the details of the book. And so I want to hear from you guys. What's changing in your life, and why do you think that is? Why is it, assuming this is even the case at all, that what it is you want to play, whether we're talking about setting, system, quality of rules, quantity of rules, the stories are getting darker, lighter, whatever. Whatever it is that's changing, 
what is changing in your games? And I want you to think about why. And, and once again, specifically the things that you have chosen, not the things that life has thrust upon you through circumstances. So there's my parting thought for you. Once again, next week, we will be back with a regular show and a full cast. And please do check the show notes for the Secret Santa stuff and also the first half of the interview that I did with Jim McClure on basically who Dan is as a person. So anyway, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you guys next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.